Hi, welcome to Wise Dive. Today we will be diving into my grandmother, Christy Harden's childhood, past stories, and experiences. Let's dive right in. Gran, tell me about your childhood home. Okay, I grew up in Birmingham in a small home in a community called ASIPCO. And ASIPCO is an acronym for American Cast Iron Pipe Company. It was a large uh, manufacturing company that was down the street from where we lived. And most of the people who lived in our neighborhood had one parent that worked at ASIPCO. My daddy didn't work at ASIPCO. He worked at, for the rail, railroad. But... Um, I have a picture of the house where I grew up. It was a small house, but it was cute, and it was just enough for our family. I had two brothers and one sister and my mom and dad, and we all lived in this small house. We had one bathroom for the whole family. Wow. And the house had a large camellia bush right outside the front door, and I loved it because the camellias would bloom in the winter, and they were a bright pinky red color, and the leaves always stayed green, and that bush was so pretty. So when we moved here to the house we lived in, we live in now, I put camellias along the back lot like a fence line because I love them so much. And my house had a giant picture window or a, gla a big window in the front. And um, I learned to write in reverse, like mirror image. And so my mom would give me a can of that spray snow stuff you use at Christmas and let me spray Merry Christmas on that window so that all the people driving down the road could see it. And I just love doing that. It was like my job every year to do that from the time I was like seven years old. That sounds like something special. Do you have any great memories from that house? I have a lot of great memories from that house. Um, like Christmases, because we put our Christmas tree up in front of that same window that I was telling you about. And um, the neighbors across the street, Mr. and Mrs. Lee, were very sweet. And they had no children, so they sort of adopted us as their own kids and loved us. And, in fact, Mrs. Lee taught me how to drive when I was 15. Wow. And um, she was a really sweet neighbor. And um, the lady on the, on the side of our house had planted irises. And I loved irises, and so I still do. So at the house in Minton, there are irises all in the front yard because I fell in love with them at an early age. But all the neighborhood kids would come to our house and play in the backyard because we had a large corner lot. And we could ride bikes in that backyard, and we played in the mimosa trees. That's where I learned to climb trees, and we had a swing set. And one of my favorite memories is when... Uh, one day we heard a noise and we found a paper sack out beside the road and it had five kittens in it and someone had run over the bag and two of them were dead, but we adopted the other three. And I only remember the names of two of them because they were pretty dramatic. I think the third one was Snowball, but the first one was Cleopatra and we called it Cleo when we found out it was a boy mm -hmm. and the other one was Potato Chip and they those two were kind of a sandy color, and the other one was white. That's why I think its name was probably Snowball. Yeah, that sounds like a great childhood home. Okay. Why don't you tell me about the school you attended when you were a child? Okay, well, 
when, when I was little, first grade, um, through part of eighth grade, I went to the very same school. It was down the street from our house. And then we moved, and I had to go to a giant school. It was a middle mm-hmm. school. It only had three grades, but it was huge. And let me back up for a minute because um, I think it's important that you understand that when I was in elementary school, there were no children who weren't white in my school in first grade. And then something happened. One day the state troopers came and they brought the prettiest little um, dark-skinned girl to our school. And they brought her into the school. And at that point they said, this school has been integrated. And so that's when life changed in Birmingham. It was during the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And that was in probably maybe 1963 or 64, 65, somewhere around in there. And I remember looking at her and going, she's absolutely beautiful. She was dressed like she was going to Easter Sunday church, you know? And I realized that probably there wasn't a lot of difference, even though the news media, even at that time, um, made a lot of difference, you know, because Birmingham was one of those places where there was a lot of Mm -hmm. civil rights violence. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to middle school, it was um, probably... 60% 60% black children and 40% white children. Wow. And it wasn't a problem. Everything was fine. Middle school was okay. It was just kind of scary for me because I kept getting lost for the first few days. <laughs> but um, then I went to high school, and that was in the early 70s. There was another turbulent time in Birmingham with racial issues going on. And at one point, even, um, I got beaten up by a bunch of girls and had to go to the hospital. And that was get stitches in my head and all that. And it was really a sad time. But, you know, I understand now that it was just racial unrest. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't ask for it. But I was just in the right place at the right time that the anger spilled over. And I got caught up in it and got injured that day. And my sister did, too. So, you know, we've seen a lot of, of very troubling times when it comes to the race things that are going on. So I really think that now, in today's society, I think a lot of that has been resolved. Like, you know, you just don't hear of that much stuff going on anymore because we've just accepted that our skin color is not what makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. So do you think that growing up with all of that craziness and unfairness helped you understand more things as you grew up? Oh, I, I think it did, yeah. I think it made me um, a more tolerant person in many ways. And in some ways, it, mm-hmm. it it's a certain sadness in there that I grew up in the middle of some terrible, unfair things that were going on. Um, mm-hmm. But still, growing up in it, I think, does make me appreciate where we are now. Yeah. So, Graham, tell me what you did with your first paycheck. I think that I probably bought fabric with it. I don't remember <laughs> what kind of fabric, but I love the fabric section at TGNY. I forgot to tell you that um, I don't remember what TGNY stood for. It was, la- it was the names of the people who started it, and the mm-hmm. Y was young. But, but uh, people told me that TGNY stood for turtles, girdles, and yo-yos because they sold everything. That's funny. So you brought fabric, you think? I think so. Okay. 
So you spent a lot of your paychecks on fabric? I did, patterns and fabric, because I love to sew, and so that's what I would do. I didn't have a car, mm-hmm. so I didn't have that expense, and I still lived at home, so yeah. I would just buy fabric. That sounds nice. That's good. Tell me about the day your first child was born. Well, my first child is your dad, Richard. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually the day before he was born. Um, I was in labor, so we went to the hospital. And I stayed in the hospital for many hours. And um, Aunt Sue and Karen, who was eight years old, had spent the night with me on Saturday night. And on Sunday morning is when I woke up and realized I was in labor. So we had, you know, just had some time with them and they left because I didn't tell them I was in labor. And later that day, Pops took me to the hospital because the labor didn't stop and I really wasn't sure what to expect. And so I was in labor all afternoon and all night. And the next morning, um, I wasn't progressing like the doctors thought I should, so Um, they decided they were going to do surgery to get your dad out. And Mm -hmm. so that's called a cesarean section. And so he was born about 3.30 in the afternoon on a Monday. And um, I remember thinking that he was the prettiest baby I had ever seen. (laughs) And um, he was. He was just a beautiful baby. And I got to keep him in the room with me for a little while. And I just remember thinking that it was like the best thing that had ever happened to me is having a baby boy. Aww. So did he grow up in the same place? Like, did my dad move a lot or did y'all, where did y'all live? We were in Anniston when he was born and we lived in Anniston for a long time. And then in, I think it was when he was in ninth grade maybe that we moved to Fort Payne and we lived there for a couple of years and we moved back to Anniston and we stayed in Anniston until after he graduated high school and then we um, I moved to Pensacola with Pops and Mm -hmm. with Aunt Al and we lived there for three or four years so we moved back and you know between Anniston and Mentone is pretty much home. Mm -hmm. So my dad actually went to Donahoe the school where I'm at right now And do you think that's special? Special that y'all are there or special that he went to Donahoe at all? I don't know. (laughs) I think it's special that he did go to Donahoe. He started there in the very first class where they had four-year kindergarten. And he (laughs) went to Donahoe until, um, I think he finished eighth grade at Donahoe. And then we moved away for a couple of years and he came back and went back to Donahoe. Okay. Tell me about the day your first child was born. Okay, let me back up a couple of days because he was born on a Monday. And on Saturday, Aunt Susan and Karen, who was eight years old at the time, had spent the night with us because Karen was so excited she was finally getting a cousin. And so um, they stayed the night, and then I woke up on Sunday not feeling really well, but I didn't tell them. And uh, after they left, I realized I was in labor. And so finally, Pops took me to the hospital, and 
that was on um, April the 18th. And so we went to the hospital and I was in labor all afternoon on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. And on Monday, the doctor decided to do surgery to get him out. And so he was born at 3.30 in the afternoon on a Monday, April the 19th. And I remember holding him and thinking that it just doesn't get better than this. It was just pretty awesome. So do you think it's special that you had the surgery and everything was okay? Oh, yeah. It worked out really, really well because I'd had sort of a hard time mm-hmm. being able to have children at all. And um, it was neat having a boy the first time. Really cool. And that, of course, is your dad. Mm-hmm. And then you have Aunt Al. I do. She's our fireworks baby because I was in label with her <laughs> on July 4th. And, um, and she was early. She was almost a month early. So on the way to the hospital on July 4th, people were throwing cherry bombs in our car. And I remember the fireworks hitting the side of the car. Oh, my God. But Pops took me to the hospital, and that was here in Anniston. And um, she was born at 1 in the morning on July 5th. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Who's the oldest relative you remember? Well, I'd like to share with you about my grandparents because to me they always seemed really old. And I actually have some pictures here. of These are my dad's parents. And we called him Papa and we called her Mama. And uh, Papa was born in 1890. Wow. And Mama was born in 1891. So if you think about it, that has been a really long time ago. But they're, really they're not the oldest people that I knew. My Papa Chris was the oldest person that I knew. And he was born in 1886. Wow. 1886. And so he, in his childhood, um, you know, that's when kids went to work when they were like five years old. They worked in the field. Mm-hmm. And so Papa Chris was a really tall man, and he worked in the coal mines and when he was about 30 years old, 32 maybe, and my mom was a little kid, uh, Papa Chris was injured in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. His leg was broken. A runaway mine car ran over him, and it disabled him to the point that from that point on, he couldn't bend one of his legs. So whenever he sat down, it stuck out. And when he <laughs> stood up, he limped really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a nice man. He always had a garden. And I brought a picture of him for you. I wish everyone could see it because, um, like I said, Papa Chris was really tall. And what you can see draped around his neck is, um, is some green beans that he grew in his garden. And they must be about five or six feet long. And I've never seen green beans like that. But I can remember this picture. I remember uh, Papa Chris having a garden and a hen house. I was always afraid of his chickens. Um, but he lived in Jasper. And he was just a really sweet guy. And back then, grandparents didn't, they didn't have sleepovers for grandchildren. Like, we have sleepovers where you and your brothers come to stay at Grand and Pop's house for mm-hmm. the night. Um, that's not what grandparents did because grandparents worked really, really hard. They were, in, in our family, they were gardeners. They were hard workers. And so um, we would just go to visit them every few every few weeks or once a week and um, see our grandparents, but Papa Chris and uh, his wife's name was Mama Julie is what we called her, my mom's parents, and um, 
they made the best biscuits and cornbread ever. <laughs> and they didn't have a stove like you have in your home. They have what was called a pot belly stove. And he had to build a fire in it every morning and get the stove hot. And she would cook on that pot bellied stove. And um, she would always, when she knew we were coming, save some cornbread and biscuits for my sister and for me because she knew we loved them so much. It reminds me of like a little house on the prairie. <laughs> kind of like little house <laughs> on the prairie. It's really, that was a good time though because it was a time where people didn't have telephones. Some people mm -hmm. got electricity in their homes and others didn't have electricity. But it was a simpler way of life. And my grandparents, Papa Chris and Mama Julie, their big thing was to sit on the front porch because that's what people did back then. And people would walk up and down the road and speak to their neighbors. And now, you know, I hardly know my neighbors here and I live on a very short street. But I knew all of Papa Chris's neighbors because they all got out and spoke to each other. So you have a garden now. Do you think him having a garden influenced you on having a garden? Probably so, but I think the garden was more Pops' idea for here. He really enjoys working in the garden, and he mm -hmm. has the best peppers and tomatoes ever. They're famous around here. I know. <laughs> Tell me about how your parents met. Well, I've heard this story. I'm not real sure I know all of the story, but... My dad was in the military. He was in the Army. And he got out of the Army and came back to Birmingham. And I think that I've heard the story that he met my mom at the fair. Aww. And they rode the Ferris wheel together or something. I don't know the whole story. And then before long, they were married. <laughs> and I think it's kind of cool that they met at the fair. Yeah. So, Papa, your dad, is still alive. Does he ever talk about how they met? Um, no, you know, my mom passed away in 2011. Mm -hmm. And um, so we don't talk about that a lot. If I asked him, he would tell me. But now, he's 90, so now when we talk about family, it's usually reminiscing stories about when he was a kid mm -hmm. or his family. Or things like that. Yeah. So we don't really talk about how he and my mom met, but that's the story that I had heard long ago. Mm -hmm. Who told you that out of your parents? Or My mom told me. Oh. Yeah. A long time ago is when she told me. <laughs> Gran, who's your biggest hero or influencer? Well, there would be several, and none of them are famous at all. Um, mm -hmm. I think that probably my first grade teacher, Mrs. Boone, is one who inspired me a lot mm -hmm. to love education um, and to overcome things that maybe were unpleasant. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Boone, when she was a very small child, told the story of making mud pies, and her brother decided to cut them in half with an axe for whatever <laughs> reason, and she put her hands down to protect the mud pies just as the axe came down and it cut off all the fingers on both hands. Oh, right. So she had little short nub fingers and she became a first grade teacher. So yeah. she overcame all of the bad stuff and became a great teacher. And like I said, she inspired me because she just was such a great person mm -hmm. and a loving teacher. And let's see, then I have um, a Sunday school teacher that I really 
was impressed with. Her name was Shirley Cagle, and she's still alive. She's pretty old, but she's still alive. And um, Shirley played piano like I have never heard anyone play it before. (laughs) And she told me, I asked her how long she took lessons, because I think I expressed to you earlier that we couldn't really afford piano lessons for Mm me. And um, I wanted to play. And she told me one day, well, don't worry. If God wants you to play, he'll give you the talent. And she said that she couldn't afford piano lessons either and that she used to pray that God would teach her how to play piano. And she said she literally one day started playing piano out of the blue. And she played by ear and could not read any music. But she was a fabulous piano player. And so I think that inspired me to learn to play by ear as well. So You're that's the why, same way. why like, I'm not great though. She was fabulous. I'm amazing. not I'm just okay. But I enjoy playing piano just because I do have that gift of being able to play by ear and playing most any song I've ever heard before. And an example of that is today uh, your brothers were asking me to play some of the Beatles hits and I was able to play Hey Jude and two or three other songs oh, just because I had never played them before but I've heard them before yeah so that was kind of neat I think you've also inspired me on that too and I've kind of learned from you because you can play by ear and I've been able to just like hear a song and then like pluck out the notes and I'm not like good or anything but I can like I know how to play different things it's and a gift. So, Don't you think it's a gift to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. I think so, too. What are some of the places you've been to or visited? Well, well obviously, when I was a little kid, we went to Panama City occasionally, and that was huge. I loved going to Panama City and playing on the beach and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But as an adult, I've been to Mexico a bunch of times. I've been to Arizona and New Mexico and California, Washington and Oregon, and most of the West Coast places. And I've been to Alaska Mm -hmm. and been to most of the East Coast states. Um, I haven't been, like, to Mount Rushmore or to... um, That's one of the only places I have been uh, to. No, I haven't been there. And I haven't been to Asia or to Europe, but I'd like to go to Europe someday, I think. Me too. And I haven't been to Hawaii, but I've been a lot of other places. I've been to different mm-hmm. states for different reasons. And so some of the most fun places I've been have been on disaster relief or mission trips. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun because I've been to Central America on mission trips. What? What is the difference between today and when you were growing up? There are a lot of differences, but um, one of the biggest differences today is how children are raised and entertained. When I was a kid, um, on Saturday when we were out of school, you were outside from the time you woke up until time to come in and have dinner because children played on Saturday. We didn't go to the ballpark very much. We didn't have that as entertainment. We didn't have video games. We didn't have any of that. So we made our own entertainment. We played with neighborhood kids and we just played. 
Um, if it rained, we put puzzles together, or we played outside in the rain. There was nothing, not a problem with that. We just didn't have children being entertained like they are today. And I think that the world was a safer place then, too. Mm-hmm. For example, my brother and I both loved to read so much. And the library, the public library, was about a mile from our house. And my mom would let my brother and me walk to the library by ourselves when I was probably 10 years old, 9 yeah. or 10 years old. We would walk a mile, go to the library, get all of the books they would allow us to check out, take them back home and read them, and go back the next week to get more books. And we did that all summer. Yeah. And uh, boys especially rode their bicycles all over town. I can remember my brothers riding the bus to town to pay my mom's bills. And, you know, and they were young at that time, but it was just a safer place. And now you can't do that because the world is not such a safe place anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was normal back then. It was very normal back then. Absolutely. I can remember uh, another thing that was kind of cool is the fireworks on Red Mountain in Birmingham. And they still do that every year on July 4th. It was like the most fabulous fireworks in all the world because you could see it no matter where you lived in Birmingham, you could see the fireworks. Like you yeah. didn't have to go there. Yeah. You could you could just go to the street corner and stand there and see the fireworks. And I can remember as a little kid thinking that was just fabulous. Mm-hmm. 